0: Three grade 12 English classes, connecting community through story. This is the Podcast Project. It's
1: like actually having an
0: aneurysm. (laughs) But it's going. It's not recording, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, okay.
1: Welcome to Stories from the Street a podcast focusing on the untold stories from our local homeless community.
0: My situation's a little bit different. A lot of people think that if you're homeless that you have to be a drug addict or you have to have some type of mental health condition that is preventing you from being a real person, but not every person's story is like that, right? Uh, I fled abuse. I was in a very, very abusive relationship. I have a child with that person, and I, I couldn't stand the control anymore. And unfortunately, it ended me up being homeless because I had nowhere to go. So
1: Crystal's story prior to becoming homeless was similar to that of an everyday Canadian. She had decent grades and a promising future. Her life spiraled downward when she entered an abusive relationship. They shared money and a child. When she eventually gained the strength to save her child and herself, she was left with no money and little support. Crystal's life quickly diverged from a path like our own to a life living on the streets of Victoria.
0: Victoria's yeah. my favorite place. Yeah. Vancouver's such a struggle because they're dealing with a lot more of the fentanyl crisis right. than yeah. we are. So they, their main priority is, is the fentanyl crisis, right? So people that don't fall under that category get slipped through the cracks yeah. and then... Here I am staying at a shelter once again just before Christmas, you know. Yeah. Constant fight, you know. I can't find stable housing, can't bring my son home until I find somewhere to go. I, I don't come from, like, money, so yeah. it's very difficult for my family to help me out when they're yeah. just trying to survive themselves, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't want to put anyone else in my family in the situation I'm in because it's like, it's no good. I have a brother who lives in Vancouver as well um, who suffers from yeah. mental health conditions yeah. himself. Yeah. and he will he will live with my parents for the rest of his life he will never be able to live on his own mm. so my parents you know they love me I know they do I know that they want to see the best for me but you know sometimes there are other priorities in this world yeah. and you know like I would never want to see someone with my brother's mental health conditions out on the street right I completed high school I graduated I, I did it all on my own I left home when I was 17 because my brother was the main focus. And it wasn't until I started understanding my own mental health that I understood that my brother, he really exceptionally needed the help. And it wasn't about favourites. It was about, you know, getting people to be in my brother's place so that way he had the help for the rest of his life. Uh, Unfortunately, I I slipped through the cracks. I suffer from bipolar and it went untreated until this year. had signs of it as a child, but because my brother's mental health conditions, once again, they they had to prioritize that he was a safety risk to himself. Mm -hmm. And so for obvious reasons, you know, like I just, I thought, okay, things are going to get better. And uh, I attempted suicide. Um, just after my son was born. I went through postpartum depression. I tried to kill myself. I felt like I had absolutely nothing, no one. And I felt like the people that I had surrounding me at that point were were just fueling the fire. He's with my mom in Vancouver. Oh. He's almost three. Okay. Yeah, I get to see him quite frequently. Uh, I get to Skype with him and stuff. It's it's really awesome. He's still in my care. He's I mean, just a temporary care between me and my mom. No MCFD involvement because of the way I handled my situation. They are extremely proud of how far I've come between the point that I gave him up to my mom and now. So I don't want to feel like my mom is overwhelmed. Because I'm an adult, I should be able to take care of myself. As to oppose my brother, he doesn't have the capacity to understand to take care of himself. He doesn't even understand that he needs to shower. Or he smells like so. And I want my son to be in an environment where I know 100% he is going to be okay. So I did what I needed to do as a parent. Put my son first, and I put his his safety first. So June of 2016, I became homeless. Uh, I left an abusive relationship. I found out that my boyfriend was, at the time was spending all of our rent money on drugs, and I had no idea. Like, I had no signs of it. I texted him one day when he was out of town for work and found out through his boss that he had owed lots of money, and he had been spending all of our rent money. And I came home from Victoria. I was on vacation with my son. We were seeing family. I came home to a 10-day eviction notice owing 7500 so I couldn't live there anymore. Yeah. So I knew I had to put my son somewhere stable. And it's been a fight because I can't find affordable housing anywhere. It's it's a fight to try to find somewhere. It's better than it is in Vancouver. It's much better. I, I have hopes that coming out here I'm going to find something a lot more stable. and um, There's a lot more jobs out here. Uh, within my first week here I've already had two interviews. And I'm already taking the steps that I need to take for my mental health and everything like that so I can get my things in order. Uh, I've put out probably about close to 50 or 60 resumes over the last week just everywhere. I didn't even care where it was, what it was doing. I just need a job. I can't, I can't do this. It's hard because when you're homeless and trying to explain to people like okay do you have a home? Or when they ask you questions like that and you get discriminated again, tell you, no, you can't work. It's in a constant cycle of being told, no, you can't work, but get a job. No, you can't work, get a job. And it, it makes it nearly impossible. They can't see past. They just see someone, oh, you're homeless. So then I get stereotyped as either being a drug addict or I'm a really crazy person that doesn't need to have a job because they can't hold a job. And it's really unfortunate that people seem to think that. And it's unfortunate because I do believe that I'd say probably about 75% of homeless people, if they are drug addicts, being homeless is what led them there. Because after being in a constant battle and cycle with yourself and and society because of the discrimination that you face, it's impossible to get a house when you turn around and say, hey, I'm homeless. I'm just trying to find a home. They're like, oh, you're homeless, so you can't afford to live here, right? And it makes it extremely, extremely impossible.
1: Crystal's story is a prime example of how the world views people based on their state of living rather than their character. Throughout the interview, we were extremely impressed with Crystal's intelligence and how easily we could relate to her story. Talking to Crystal made it clear to see how someone's situation can become so dire so quickly. In this next clip, Crystal talked about her education and how she supported herself throughout high school and her goals for the future.
0: I graduated on time, 100% on time. Uh, I did better when I had no assistance than I did when I had assistance in school. I passed almost all B's. I had one C in grade 12. Uh, I wanted to be a registered carry. i really, really seen helping people as a passion, especially palliative, because a lot of palliative people don't have people to come visit them, and I wanted to feel like if someone was going to take their last breath, I wanted to know... uh, I wanted them to know that they were loved by somebody. It didn't matter who, they were loved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I still see myself doing that. It's okay. just really difficult to know that I'm homeless and to owe like $20,000 to student aid is really stressful thought for me considering I can't even afford to feed myself. I'm embarrassed. It's very difficult to know that my son doesn't see me as a human being because mommy's not always there. And to know that my family looks down on me because I <laughs> I had no choice. You know, it's funny because it's mostly the homeless people around here that help the homeless people. It's yeah. crazy how they'll give me their last dollar to make sure I have food in my stomach than to put socks or a jacket on their back when they have that opportunity. You know, you see a lot of people that make a lot of money walk past us and tell us to get a job or you, you're disgusting or like you're a disgrace or go find somewhere else to be in. It's like you know, you you can never step down to our level and understand that unless right. you're in our perspective. But like, like I said, not pe- not a lot of people choose to be where you're at, right? And, and for someone to tell us that constantly, it's like. It, it downgrades your self-esteem. It makes you think, okay, is it, is it really worth anything? And, like, you know, like, I suffer from depression, so, like, hearing negative thoughts about myself, it, it puts the negative thoughts there, and it's really hard to, like, barricade them from what's reality and what what people are actually saying. Like, it makes a whole heck of a lot of a difference if someone just comes up and tells you you're worth something. You're that one person that matters today, you know? Not a lot of people that live on the streets have a lot of South Worth. Like, none. There's a lot of people that have a lot of struggles waking up in the morning. Uh, I spent all of Christmas last year on the street. I, November all the way into f- end of February, I slept on the streets last year in Vancouver. Justin, the person you just seen, that's my boyfriend. We slept together. We For the first three weeks in November, we had the clothes on our back. We had no blanket. We had nothing but each other. I, was also, I also found out I was pregnant when I was homeless last year, and I lost the baby. And it was really difficult for me, because I couldn't even go to the hospital and be like, hey, I'm homeless, because then it was just going to create a whole bunch of ruckus for myself, and I felt like I was going to be targeted, and people were going to start blaming me for things, and I felt like I couldn't seek help because of the situation that I was in, and it made it very difficult, and then finally I got, I got the courage to talk to my doctor about it, and got to see a counselor about it and things got better from there. Uh, I, I definitely feel like being in a shelter now is like extremely, extremely important to me because this is 30 days where I have a chance to like build myself and build my boyfriend so that way we can we can grow together and have that opportunity to start the new year fresh. It come okay. with a lot of pressure. My boyfriend's epileptic. He suffers from grand mal seizures. He's also deaf. He only has 20% hearing, so I feel like I have a lot of pressure knowing that not only do I have to take care of myself, I financially still take care of my son. I have to su- support him physically, mentally, you know, everything possible because I love him and I, I would do anything for him. I'd give him the clothes off my back if that's what it took. Like, there have been days where I've gone, like, three four days without eating because he has to eat every day or it can kill him. For Christmas, I just want to... Be with my family. And it would just be getting to Vancouver? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along with your boyfriend? Along with my boyfriend, yeah. Yeah. Um, My boyfriend has been there since before me and my ex split up. He was living in my house, doing everything that my son's father should have been doing. Uh, My son doesn't know his dad. He thinks that's his dad. He's been calling him dad since day one, since he could talk. And no one corrected him because he was doing all the fatherly duties. And I figured your dad might be here physically, but he's not there for anyone emotionally or mm-hmm. whatever. And he made a decision and he left. And it's funny because he's living in a house right now. He's clean. He, he's got a happy life, and that's not fair because of all the suffering he made me go through. We've known each other since high school. He was the first person I ever liked, and he was going through things in life and it wasn't our time and then I can never picture my life without him because of every. Like He was there when there was money and he was there when there was nothing. I couldn't picture anything different. He suffers from anywhere between 2 to 30 seizures a day within a 24 hour period. Sometimes he's conscious and sometimes he's unconscious. He hasn't had a grand mal seizure in about 4 months so it's all been like petite mal and absent seizures. But he still feels that he's conscious through some of those. So, like, imagine someone staring at you in the eye with. The most endorsed amount of pain that you can imagine and seeing that in someone's face and them not being able to communicate that they're in pain. guys, right? Yeah I think they should stop building 2.4 million dollar condos <laughs> and start building BC housing and mental health care facilities for seniors or yeah. people that can't take care of themselves because I feel like there's not enough community living and when it is community living there's so many hoops that you need to jump through and to be eligible for yeah. and there there should be a lot more places like rock bay landing or belkin house where it can be long term where people can sit there pay rent have transition be off the streets be fed i think that would be very beneficial and like hotels that keep closing down those can be turned into into shelters as well Um, there's so much that the government could be doing that they're not doing like when they're Adding two lanes onto highways that just got built five years ago, they don't need to be spending that $8 million on a brand new road when they just built the road and it was bloody well fine to begin with, right? Uh, building Portman Bridge costing them just a little over $55 million when they were offered an eco friendly. Supplement to be able to do it for just a little under $1 million and they didn't take it. That could have been like 51, or $51 million towards housing throughout British Columbia that they could have used. Mm-hmm. You have a seven-day process where after you've stayed for 30 days, you have to wait seven days and you can come back. And people are in that cycle. They do that. They go stay on mats for seven days and then they come back and put their name on the list. And it's just vicious cycle because they know that because of their position that people aren't going to rent to them. And it's really sad because just you know, just because you're a drug addict doesn't mean that you don't deserve a home because like everyone deserves a safe place to go. No matter what your situation, you're human. You're all born the same species on this earth. I feel that everybody should be treated as equals. Ideally, this is not where we wanted to end up, like being surrounded by drugs. But I would rather be surrounded by drugs where... I have the choice to walk away, mm-hmm. than to be out on the street where I'm vulnerable to pretty much anything violent that can happen. Being in the wrong place at the wrong time, it doesn't matter. It's it's my number one fear is not waking up because someone was an yeah. asshole the night before and decided to make stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So have you, like, been addicted to drugs before? Or? Um, I did. I had an opiate addiction about four years ago, and I gave that up the moment I found out I was pregnant. Like, cold turkey, no choices, no questions asked. I barricaded myself in my house for three weeks and just stayed there. Did not leave for nothing. I did not talk to anybody. I just got over the dope sick myself. And I'm, like, clean today. Like, no matter how many times I see people shoot up around me a day, I know that my... My willpower and it's mind over matter. And I know that like this is not a time to be addicted to anything, especially with the fentanyl going around. This is not what I want to see. I want to see myself two steps forward, not ten steps backwards. Never imagine yeah. being in the position I am now and trying to face an addiction. I need people to trust me. I need people to know that when I walk in somewhere and say, here's damage in rent, I'll have it for you for the first of next month, I'm on income assistance, I can show you that I'm going to give you payments every single month. You'd be surprised what people can show you, you know. Another thing that I really need is, like, support. I need to know that I can go somewhere and be like, I need an advocate to go with me and help me find a place. And, I don't know, I just, I feel like I don't have a very big voice and I feel like, when it comes to really important things, I get shy and nervous and I don't know what to say and I feel like I make an ass of myself and, like, I feel like I need someone there that, for every negative comment that someone has about renting to me or whatever, they they can circulate around and, and show them, like, I'm a stable person, like, I have income. It's not a matter of not having income. It's just about finding affordable housing. Between me and my boyfriend, we get $570 for rent to live off of every month. Together, So, so yeah, a total of $500? A total of $570 to live off of every month. We get $700 for support. So, if you're looking at a one-bedroom, roughly $900, yeah. you know, that's taking, like little over $300 out of our support, so that gives us $400. I also pay support for my son every month. Not only does my mom get my child tax, I pay my mom $150 out of my support to make sure my son is taken care of because I'd rather see my son clothed and diapered and fed than anything else in this world. I can only make $400 a month, so I'd be making up for what we're losing to rent. If I make more than $400, so I'd be allowed $1,100 a month, dollar for dollar, they take it off my check. So if I made $500, they would take $100 off my check. So then I would be down a hundred. It's crazy because a lot of places nowadays are credit check, credit check, credit check. And one, it's a hundred percent illegal for them to even ask you for your SIN number. They are not supposed to be allowed to know that. That is enough information to commit fraudulent activity on your, on your name. Um, I don't have very good credit. Obviously I've like taken out credit cards and Payday loans, you name it, you know, cell phones just to turn around and pawn them so I could have a couple dollars because I needed to live. Like, I I needed to live. I needed shoes on my feet. Uh, All of last winter, I walked around with a shoe that had no bottom on it. So I was walking around in the snow with pretty much a bare foot. I would layer up on socks upon socks. Um, It took me months to find someone to donate me a pair of shoes because like that, that time of year, as soon as shoes are donated, they're gone just as quickly. It's unfortunate because people don't look past the drugs. They just hear drugs and then they're gone. Everyone has their story. These people didn't come into this world smoking heroin. These people didn't come into this world shooting up meth. These people were normal people at one point and there had to have been something, that one thing that drove them over the edge. And I think, like, honestly, you sit down and you tell a person their self-worth and keep trying. I remember when I was in elementary school and I had pen pal, you know? If every one person in this world could have someone they could just write to and talk to, or even verbally communicate to, once a day pick up that phone and be like, you mean something, you are special, you know? Everyone you- deserves that. I lost a lot of my friends becoming homeless, mm. but... And know, the, the ones that I do have were really, really close, and they mean the world to me. They offer us to come over for dinner all the time, and when we weren't in the shelter, we were staying with them for a little bit. They had kids, so it was a blessing that there's someone out there that's like, you know, a single mom with four kids, and she's still willing to help her friends. It's just beautiful, right?
1: As we parted ways, we asked Crystal if she had any final messages for her son and anyone listening.
0: Gandhi's quote be the change you wish to see in the world today if you don't want to see drug addicts on the street then help them don't be that person that walks past and blows your nose up in the air and think they're worthless because if you have that thought in the beginning that knowing that that person has has potential then you're just as guilty as the person being on the street for not helping them like tell your son son, something about yourself right now like you just relay something to him I'm a strong person and I'm never gonna give up, never. No matter how the struggle is, uh, you're my everything and I would do everything in my power to make sure that you live the most awesomest life and to never have to go through whatever I had to go through, definitely. And never give up. See the positive in yourself and that's what I tell him.
1: I asked Jeremy, one of the interviewers, on his thoughts on the experience. So, coming out of the interview, what's the first thing that crossed your mind? I think sadness is one of the first feelings that I felt coming out of there. I think
2: a general feeling of what can we do better to help these people. There's there's so many things that I hadn't realized before that society in general is kind of ignoring or almost doing wrong. And I, I think that was one of the biggest problems for me as a human almost exiting, is that what What can I do to help these people and uh, in this situation?
1: Do you think you're going to make a change in your life at all, or is this going to change something you believed before?
2: I think for sure I'm going to make a change. You know, one of the things that Crystal said was just as you walk down the street, all that some people want is just a hug and just to be recognized and give them some self Value And I think for sure when I'm walking down the street from now on, I'm going to try to interact with some of the homeless people and just try to be a potential positive experience in their day. And yeah, anything small that I can definitely to help.
1: So if you could leave us with one last thing and or something that you think society could change.
2: Well, uh, I think a lot of the housing money could be brought up uh sounds like honestly people's perspectives on homeless to be able to give them a chance um just one chance is really all they need just get get them into a job um okay. yeah
1: okay thank you yeah no problem
0: thank you for listening to the podcast project yeah. we want to give a quick shout out to twisted way for their support and make sure to tune in next time for more stories from the street. If you're looking to lend a helping hand, please
1: donate to your local homeless shelters or volunteer. Next time you're walking down the street, make sure
0: to take a minute and spread spread kindness. kindness.